1: Good morning and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today we're going to be talking about heart health. It is February and February is heart month and last Friday was actually Go Red for Women Day so I enjoyed seeing pictures all, all over uh, social media of folks wearing their red or wearing their um, heart red dress pin to bring awareness to heart disease for women. Um, And that is a very important um, thing to do. And also just heart disease and heart health in general is a very important topic um, that we should be focusing on, not just in February, um, every day of the year, but it is a good time to call, um, call attention to that issue. And so that's what we'll be talking about today. So if you have questions about heart disease or heart health, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 You can email us, fit at mpbonline.org. Or you can hop over to Healthy Habits with Josie and interact with me there. I have a question up on Facebook today that asks, what do you think is the most important thing to promote heart health and what's the most confusing? So if you have an opinion on that, you can give us a call or you can drop me a message over there on Facebook. So I think the most uh, important thing to kind of start with is what is heart disease? When we say the word heart disease and talk about promoting heart health, what are we talking about? Uh, Well, heart disease really is any, any kind of disease process that is affecting the actual heart and the blood vessels. And when you think about blood vessels, they're everywhere, right? Every part of our body um, is fed, so to speak, by blood vessels, right? Uh, meaning nutrients and oxygen and blood are delivered to that area. And waste products are picked up from that area and taken where it needs to be taken in the body to uh, be processed or, or gotten rid of, right? So when we're talking about heart disease, uh, we tend to think about things like heart attacks, which is completely appropriate. Um, that's the heart uh, muscle itself or the, the arteries around the heart. Um, but we also have to think about things um, that are just blood vessel related, things like blood clots, Things like diseased vessels that may cause um, plaque to form in the vessels, which could lead to a heart attack or a stroke. Um, and then the precursors to those things, right? Which are high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, diabetes, and those types of things. And so it's a it's a complex issue to think about, um, but one that we've talked a lot about on this show and we will continue to talk a lot about because... Heart disease, outside of of this past year with COVID, heart disease is the number one killer of men and women in the United States and globally. Um, If we want to relate that back to the pandemic that we're living in and and living through, um, folks that have heart disease do tend to have worse outcomes with with COVID, or uh, I should say that In the folks who have died from COVID, when we look at the other kind of comorbid conditions they have, heart disease is pretty prevalent there. And so addressing heart health is not only good for the long run, but also good for um, dealing with COVID. So we want to make sure that we're doing those things. So how do we do it? Well, there's lots of different ways that we can target heart health. Um, The first way, and probably not what you are expecting, I bet y'all are all expecting me to say diet and exercise, and we'll get to that. But one of the number one ways that we can help improve our heart health is if you are smoking, stop, right? Um, Smoking plays a huge role in heart health so we tend to think about lung health and that's important as well, but it plays a huge role in overall heart health. And so if you are smoking, now is a great time to reach out for help um, on that. We've got several kind of archived shows that we've done about tobacco cessation and smoking cessation that you can check out you know, wherever you get your podcasts or on the um, MPB website. Um, reach out to your healthcare provider and ask about ways to stop smoking. There are a variety of products that are out there in terms of nicotine replacement, gums and lozenges. There are, um, inhalers and uh, patches and lots of different things that are out there. They're not all appropriate for every person. Um, So working with your healthcare provider to choose the correct form there, as well as um, some of the oral medications that that can be used like Chantix or um, Zyban, those types of things. Um, So really focusing in on that. Um, and really asking for help. I know a lot of folks just say, I'm just going to go cold turkey. And for some people, that works. Um, for other people, it doesn't. And asking for for help and assistance um, is not a sign of weakness. It is absolutely a, um, a, something that we need to do. Is often the combinations of a nicotine replacement or a medication in combination with um, some Cognitive behavioral therapy and different strategies um, will help. A lot of times smoking is used as a, a substitute for something else, maybe for boredom, for um, dealing with stress uh, and those kinds of things. And so working on uh, replacing that uh, smoking habit with a different, healthier habit um, can be really uh, fundamental in um, in stopping smoking. So don't be afraid to, to reach out. You can always call the 1-800-QUIT-NOW number as well um, for assistance that way. So aside from smoking, the other things that are really important to focus on when we're talking about heart health are things like nutrition, physical activity, and then the two lesser talked about ones, sleep and stress. Um, and working on those are, are really, really important to kind of complete that whole package. That's why in lifestyle medicine, those are four kind of core things that we assess on every single person. We ask about nutrition, physical activity, sleep, health, and stress management. And so we'll go through kind of those four big pillars of lifestyle medicine as we talk today today. Um, but I do want to get to a comment that we had on Facebook um, to that question that I posed earlier about what do you think is the most important thing to promote heart health? And what's the most confusing? And Heather says the most important, a heart healthy diet to help with weight control. Most confusing, a heart healthy diet <laughs> to aid in weight control. And that, that one gave me a little bit of a giggle, but it is it's accurate, right? Nutrition is one of those things that everybody seems to have an opinion on, um, and everybody kind of touts a a best diet and, and a way to do things. And, and this uh, person, Heather, she mentioned to help with weight control. And so, um, yes, we want to help maintain or achieve a healthy weight, but the nutrition is just as important, um, even when weight is is taken kind of out of the equation. So yes, we want to eat for a healthy weight, but we want to eat for a healthy heart and a healthy brain as well. And so a lot of times people will ask me, well, what's the best diet for heart health or what's the best diet for diabetes or what's the best diet for weight loss? And that's really pulling it apart and making it much more complicated than it needs to be, Right um, heart health, diabetes, health, brain health, all of those things can be achieved with just good basic nutritional principles. If you've listened to the show, you know, I'm a huge proponent of a plant-based diet. Um, we talk about that a lot on the show and today is going to be no exception to that. We're going to talk about uh, the benefits of plant-based diet today. Um, but it's, it's not an all-or-nothing thing. You don't have to be 100% plant-based or vegan or vegetarian or any of those kinds of things. When we look at what constitutes a best diet, right? It and you can't see me doing air quotes because this is radio, but I air quoted that best diet. Um, it depends on uh, several different things. It's not just um, how well it can control blood pressure and blood sugar and cholesterol and all these kinds of things, but also how realistic it is for folks, right? Like, is it going to be affordable and be able to be done? Um, and how like tolerable is it? Do people enjoy that diet? Uh, Those play into it. You know, if, um, we were just in a, in an experiment or in a study, and I provided all the food to you that was, um, scientifically proven for heart health people's heart health should get better but we live in each one of us lives in a in a different kind of part of of life right where we may have financial issues or access issues or taste issues and so we want when we look at best diets we want to make sure that those all of those things are taken into account, and so that's why you know U.S. World uh, World Reports often puts out best diets for you know multiple different kinds of categories every year, and then maybe a best overall diet and all of those kinds of things, and that takes into account some of those things that we were talking about, um, right? If you look at heart health, like Ornish diet is uh, usually really high up there in terms of heart health. Um, the Ornish diet is a plant-based diet. Um, but it has some some different restrictions on it that sometimes people can find a little bit confusing or a little bit difficult to implement. Not that it can't be. We absolutely help people uh, with the Ornish diet. Um, but the ones that kind of consistently uh, win kind of for like best overall diet are things like the DASH diet or the Mediterranean diet. And both of those, while not usually considered a, a plant-based diet, are plant-based, right? And what plant-based truly means is just the focus is on the plant it doesn't mean all the plant you know all the foods are plant-based but it means the focus is on the plate and if you think about the way that we normally build our plates here in the U.S. um, we usually have a, a pretty good chunk of meat on that plate um, we usually have then a pretty good chunk of starch, whether that be from potato or pasta or, you know, corn or, or those kinds of things. And then a pretty s- much smaller size of what we would think of as a veggie, like something green. Um, so greens or cabbage or broccoli or those kinds of things, and then, um, fruit almost not even existent on kind of our main meal plates, maybe at breakfast, but not so much at lunch and dinner. And so that is, is really not a plant based way of eating. That is really very much kind of flipped the other way. Um, and that kind of standard American diet is not a heart health promoting diet. And so, we just want to rethink our plate a little bit and how we build that, uh, maybe shifting and increasing the portion of veggie and fruit and decreasing the portion of the starch or the, and the meat or the animal-based uh, product or switching that meat out for a plant-based source of protein. There's lots of different options there that we can do. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app thanks for joining us today on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. We're talking all about heart health today and ways to lower our risk of heart disease, or if we already have heart disease, how we can slow the progression uh, and keep that from worsening. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email us fit at mpbonline.org or head over to Healthy Habits with Josie and drop me a question um, or a comment there. I have a question going on Facebook this morning that asks, um, what do you think is the most important thing contributing to heart health? And also, what is the most confusing thing um, about heart health? We've had some uh, some commenters on there this morning. You can add your comment there or you can call us and we'll talk about it. Um, and the first one that we had was actually con- most important and most confusing was diet. And we've been uh, kind of talking about that, that absolutely we want to achieve and maintain um, a healthy weight. But we also want to make sure our nutrition is sound, um, even if already at a normal weight. Um you can still have risk factors for heart disease outside of obesity. Um, And we were talking about diets and, you know, I'm a lover of plant-based diets, not just because I enjoy eating that way, but because the science is pretty doggone convincing on the fact that we need more fiber and fiber only lives in plants, right? The other thing we need less of is saturated fat and cholesterol and cholesterol only lives and animals, so if we want to work on improving heart health and we know that increasing fiber and decreasing saturated fat and cholesterol are important parts of that, then shifting our plate to a more plant focused or plant predominant plate is just a win-win all the way around. so the question that I get asked most often about plant-based diets one is um, what do you eat <laughs> is the one that I get or where do you get your protein? And I will admit, um, my, um, I used to have a personal trainer and he was uh, vegan and I used to give him the hardest time. I was like, but where do you get your protein? And bless his soul for not just smacking me upside the head. Because as someone who eats, uh, you know, vegetarian and vegan, um, predominantly, I get that question a lot and I'm like, oh, it's, it's obvious, but it's not, it's not obvious in a, you know, a, um, a culture where we've been brought up thinking that meat has to be on the plate at every meal. Um, so there are numerous sources of plant-based protein that we can swap for meat. Um, the most, the, the cheapest and the kind of easiest to obtain is um beans right beans um and legumes are the the easiest and cheapest way to do that and so people ask me all the time well well, what beans well lots of them right now i'm talking about not green beans that's more of just a non-starchy veg um, which is good for us but doesn't have a ton of protein in it but things like black beans or kidney beans, or navy beans, or pinto beans, uh, and then also peas, like black-eyed peas, um, soybeans, lentils, um, those types of things are a great source of protein, very, very, very low um, in fat, that really depends on how you prep them and cook them, and really, really high in fiber, right, and so increasing fiber is where it's at. Now, if the average American eats somewhere around 11 to 14 grams of fiber per day, uh, and that is, is not enough. Um, we usually need somewhere between 25 and 35 grams of fiber per day. Um, but hear me now, if you are a low fiber eater, do not try to go from low fiber eating to high fiber eating overnight, right? Your belly will not like you. um, You will not like me. And it's just not a a good thing. We want to gradually increase. And so I usually recommend people kind of starting slow and maybe adding an extra three or four grams of fiber um, per day and kind of giving that a couple weeks to, to get used to it and then kind of bumping it up from there. And so that may just be kind of having the portion of meat that you have on your plate and doubling the portion of veggie that you have on your plate. So if you normally have half a cup of green beans um, and a six-ounce chicken breast, maybe we go to three ounces chicken breasts and, you know, a cup uh, of green beans. And that's just a gradual increase in your, um, in your fiber there. You always want to couple that increase in fiber with an increase in water as well. Um, Back to kind of those plant-based proteins, we talked about beans. The other thing are um, nuts and seeds. So um, people usually understand what I say when I'm talking about nuts, you know, walnuts, almonds, pecans, those kinds of things. Where people get a little confused is seeds. They tend to only think about um, sunflower seeds, which can be done. I wouldn't do the, the, you know, super salted ones that we have in the pack. But there are other seeds out there, flax seeds, um, chia seeds, uh, hemp hearts or hemp seeds. All of those are good sources of uh, protein, good sources of fiber, and then also good sources of, um, of healthy kind of um, heart-promoting, heart-health-promoting healthy fats. Um, now, if weight loss is our goal, we have to be careful here um, because they are what we call calorically dense, meaning per bite, they have a lot of calories in them. So one thing that I see people um, get frustrated with is let's say maybe their snack of choice used to be potato chips, and they switch to nuts and don't lose any weight. And that can be frustrating and confusing. But Nuts have a lot of calories in them for a very, very small amount, and so swapping the chips out and replacing it with nuts is a great start. You're going to get much less sodium and, and those kinds of things, but still a lot of calories, and so you may not see movement in terms of weight loss there. So you want to be careful how much nuts you do if weight loss is your goal. Um, I usually recommend no more than a quarter cup of nuts or two tablespoons of nut butter um, per day if we're trying to lose or maintain our weight. Okay. Um, the other thing that people get confused on is um, how to use those other seeds. We were talking about like the Uh, flax seeds, the chia seeds, the hemp parts, those kinds of things. Um, Flax seeds need to be ground up um, and can be stirred or sprinkled onto lots of different things. I add them to my daily oatmeal. Um, I usually add half flax and half chia to my oatmeal. Chia seeds, they look like little poppy seeds. They're like little black seeds and they uh, soak up liquid and turn them kind of gelatinous so they're great for like making a jam with I just throw some berries a little bit of maple syrup and some chia seeds in a pot and let those berries burst and then it all thickens up and makes a lovely kind of jam that I can um, either stir into my oatmeal again or you know spread on a piece of toast or you know any way that you enjoy your um, jam it's a great way to do that there All right, we've got a caller on the line. We're going to talk to Chris in Birmingham, Alabama. Good morning, Chris.
2: Hey, uh, Doctor Doctor Josie. Uh, Well, I'm actually from Hamilton, Alabama. It's like forty miles uh, east of Tupelo, Mississippi. Fantastic. uh, I was going to tell you, uh, I went. I I had weight problem. My my highest weight got up. I'm six foot one. I weighed about like. My highest weight was 254 pounds. I had migraine headaches all the time. So this was like mm-hmm. five or six years ago. I said, I've got to do something. And I was watching these shows on TV about, you know, vegetable diets and stuff like that and everything. And I said, you know, I just started weaning myself off meat, mostly red meat. And uh, it's been like probably four years now since, since I've eaten it. And I, my family, they still give me dirty looks sometimes, you know, cause <laughs> I'll, I'll sit at the table, but I mean, like carrots and green beans and kidney beans and broccoli and stuff like There's so many good vegetables, you know, uh, that are delicious and, you know, good for you and everything. And
3: mm-hmm.
2: right now my weight's like around I'm 198 pounds and I, I just hover around that weight and, you know, I was just going to tell, tell anybody in your audience, you know, giving up meat, you know, and you can have baked chicken. That's not going to hurt you, you know, having a piece of baked chicken every now and then. I I'm not just a teetotaler, you know, vegetarian. I'll, I'll eat a piece of baked chicken or something sometimes, but it's really helped me in my life, and it helps your brain too. They say people that absolutely. eat red meat, three, people that eat red meat three or more times a week, have a higher chance of getting colon cancer.
1: They do, absolutely.
2: So I love your show. I, I listen. Felder I couldn't grow a weed to save my life, but Felder rushing is so interesting. <laughs> I love him. But especially y'all, you know, on the daytime with this health stuff. Thank you very much.
1: Well, thank you so much for listening and thank you for calling and sharing your story. You know, before I went plant based, it it did seem kind of daunting, like because we've just grown up thinking that meat had to be there all the time. Um, but it really, once you get in the groove of it and the, the swing of it, it's not that difficult. And really, there are so many more things that you can eat, then then you can't eat, and I don't even really like the terms can and can't. It's what you choose to eat, right? So, um, I don't choose to eat animal products on the regular. I choose to eat plant based products, but like you said, I don't. I'm not gonna stress about it too much, you know. If there happens to be a little sprinkle of cheese on something that you know I get when I eat out, I'm not gonna freak out, you know. If I eat a small piece of fish or a little bit of chicken, again, it's gonna be okay. You have to think about. Uh, nutrition in terms of a a lifetime pattern and not, you know, just kind of rigid dietary control. So I really appreciate you for giving us, uh, giving us a call today and sharing that. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org, or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.
4: If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Goodwill, and we're talking all about heart health today. If you have a question or a comment for us, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 We also have a conversation going on over on Facebook at Healthy Habits with Josie, talking about ways to promote heart health and what's most confusing, so feel free to join us there. We do have a couple, couple of callers on the line, so let's go on and talk with Sue. And Beaumont. Good morning, morning, Sue. I'd I'd like to make a comment
0: about protein. Sure. Plant protein and meat protein. I had a Japanese neighbor once, and uh, she was a petite little thing, and and she had told me that in Japan, the native Japanese ate were vegetarians, ate Mm vegetarian, they they ate very little meat. But her sons were grown up in America, and uh, they grew up here in America, and they ate the Western diet, you know. Going to school, they they, they 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 ate meat, ate a lot of meat, and I know they towered over their parents because there there is something in meat protein that that that, that it enlarges the bone structure and the muscle mass in people. I don't care what you say about protein, <laughs> plant protein. When you have meat protein, it just makes it makes people grow larger because her her sons towered over her, you know. And uh, so what what do you think? What do you think causes that? I, I just know that. When people who come from countries who are used to the protein, not used to protein diets, they come to America and eat a lot of protein, they grow much bigger than than they would have in Japan, for instance, you know.
1: Yeah, well, anytime you have someone who adopts that more Western pattern of eating, you know, it is just more calorically dense. There's going to be more calories on board. And then all of the the health problems that come along with that, that Western diet, we then start to see Um, see that manifested in in folks kind of regardless of where they they come from Um, so you know the the source of your protein matters um, where it's coming from and its contribution to to weight to growth to overall health is is really important so you know thanks for giving us a call today and for sharing that story with us so you know more plants all right let's go talk with David in Philadelphia good morning Uh, David
3: good morning uh,
1: how are was,
3: you I'm, I'm wonderful wonderful my Good. uncle was a doctor and he would tell me different things to help me uh mm-hmm. you know with my with colon problems or heart problems or stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh as he passed away I, I you know i i remembered all this stuff and i i, I went to work one day at a, a glue factory up in uh, uh oregon it was a uh, little town called Baker, Oregon, and we'd take animals and we'd drag them up to this pot and they would cook them, cook the body of it it down and make glue. I got to thinking (laughs) about what my uncle told me about, uh, you know, the cholesterol getting in your blood system. And I got to thinking more about glue comes actually from animals. So you know what happens when it gets in your blood system. That cholesterol builds up in your blood system and causes heart trouble, kidney trouble, liver trouble. So what I've done is I've, every time I cook my meat, I put it on a, a platter, but I let it drain for a little bit. Then I put it on napkins and I squeeze the the napkins to get all the unnecessary fat in it, out of it to, <laughs> to keep my body a little healthier.
1: Yeah. And those are great tips. You know, if we're going to ha- if we're going to choose meat, you know, meat proteins as part of our diet, there are definitely healthier ways to do it. And like you mentioned, you know, draining the excess fat off of things or, you know, blotting um, the extra fat off, choosing the leanest cut of meat that we can, you know, can afford or have access to, um, you know, ground beef is another one, you know, the kind of standard ground beef amount is like 80% lean, 20% fat, which is pretty fat heavy, but it's also the cheapest. So that's what a lot of folks, um, folks buy. And so I tell them, you know, you know, cook it, drain it, and then even rinse it underneath some warm water to kind of help some of that extra fat kind of Get off of it um, so that you're getting the leanest that you can. And choosing unprocessed forms of meat is the other kind of healthier choice. Um, You know, when we have processed meats like bacons and sausages and and, um, luncheon meats and those types of things, those are are worse on our heart health and our colon health as well. So you bring up a great point there.
3: uh, Yes, and well, and and pressing the meat up against napkins in order to get that
1: grease
3: and 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 fat off of it, I realized as I pulled the napkins away, the, the, the napkins are real, very sticky back toward the meat, which means yep. I've got, i probably got 90% of it, but didn't get all of it. So
1: Yeah, there's no way to get it all out, um, <laughs> but you're trying, you know, and that that's the point of all of this is just being intentional about your health and doing, you know, doing the best we can with, with what we've got and what we enjoy and, and what we want to eat. So I thank you so much for calling us with all that. All right, let's go over to Startful and talk with Rachel. Good morning Rachel. Good morning Dr. Josie. How well, are you today?
0: Well I'm doing good.
1: Good I'm what can we do for you? What can I eat or drink that
0: will give me give me energy without uh, <laughs> drinking caffeine
1: in the morning because that right. keeps me up at night. Yes and so you're right caffeine has what we call a long half life, meaning even when we drink it early in the day, it takes a, a long time for it to kind of get processed out of our system. And so folks can have difficulty sleeping at night with that. The uh-huh. bigger issue um, what is just your energy level, right? And making sure that there's nothing else going on, right? Um, so causes of fatigue can be varied. Um, you know, it could be some kind of anemia. Right, so we'd want to make sure that uh-huh. you, you know, you're not an anemic, um, whether it be from an iron deficiency anemia or something like B12 or folate or any of those kinds of things. So that would just be a good checkup with your healthcare provider to make sure there's nothing going on there. Um, poor sleep also is a super big cause of fatigue. So you know, asking yourself how many hours of sleep do you get a night. And how rested do you feel in the morning? Like zero is a zombie. 10 is plenty of energy. And if Uh we're, you know, if we're not getting at least seven hours of sleep, or if we're getting seven hours and still feeling, you know, crummy and not, you know, not having energy, then we need to look at our sleep and see what's going on. You know, is there something that is affecting the actual quality Mm -hmm. of the sleep? Mm -hmm. Um, Things like snoring and, you know, sleep apnea and those kinds of things. And if uh, then also mental health issues, depression, anxiety, those are also um, exhausting from a mental standpoint, which then translate into, you know, feeling fatigued, um, you know, physically. So, you know, ruling out all of those kinds of things. And if all of those kind of things have been kind of ruled out, then we think about, are we just dehydrated, right? The vast majority of us don't drink enough water and that kind of makes everything sluggish and slow down. So, um, you know, making sure that we start our day with some water is a really good way to just kind of wake our body up, give it the the juice that it needs, so to speak, in order to Uh to run itself well and efficiently. Um, so those are kind of all my, all my thoughts there on that. So no, no magic beverage, um, out there to uh, to to fix fatigue we just got to find out why uh-huh okay and one one other question sure what are nitrates and uh are they bad for us and if so why all right so nitrates when we start to talk about um about those types of things we start to wonder if we've got are they coming from a processed meat standpoint? And that's when we um, start to have issues. So nitrates in general are kind of naturally found in some vegetables um, through, uh, you know, the the soil has certain nitrogenous compounds. And so that's kind of part of the the nitrogen cycle. So just kind of saying the word nitrate in general um, is Mm. not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but then there are nitrates that are added to processed meats as a preservative. Um, And so kind of that link then becomes a little bit bigger when we talk about nitrites and nitrates in processed food and how that impacts, you know, overall heart health, Mm -hmm. overall colon health, and those kinds of things. So we really kind of want to look and say, is this something that, naturally has some nitrates in it like vegetables or is this an added compound that's been added to a processed meat Um, and really the reason those get added is to prevent kind of harmful bacteria from growing as well as to add a salty flavor and sometimes Mm -hmm. it even gives the meat that um, that color that kind of vibrant red or pink color that we tend to think about with, with processed meats. Uh, and so we want to limit those kind of added things. Okay. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. It makes good very good sense. Good, good, yes. good. All right. Well, uh you gave you gave me great questions today. So I well, appreciate you. you for calling thank and sharing for those. Them, uh, for Absolutely. Me. I that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And love you, your show. And I'm a well, MPB thank you. member. Well, we appreciate those, your support. Yeah. Thank I you so much for that. Listens
0: in the morning, uh, should be an MPB, uh, member, but, uh, because there's so much to learn and, uh, it's important to keep you all on the air, but thank well, you. We so appreciate
1: much. it. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you for your support. All right. Before we take our next break, I'm going to quickly go over to the phone lines and talk with Dick T and Batesville. Good morning. Good morning.
0: Thanks for your great show. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Is, <laughs> yeah. Um. So we actually come from uh, an Indian uh, from India, living in Mississippi for many years, and we're vegetarian. But so many people in our community end up having heart disease and needing mm. bypass surgeries. And a part of me thinks that is it the sugar. Because a lot of the diet has a lot of sugar and buttery uh, mm-hmm. uh, things. So, yeah, just wondering if that, and uh, well, the other thing is that we don't exercise. There isn't a culture <laughs> of exercise. Yes. <laughs> so, whether these are the reasons that so many, although vegetarian, are still uh, hard
1: problem yes 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 and so you you hit on some of that you know vegetarian eating pattern is not uh, usually the elimination of of all animal products it is actual you know meat that is is left out but we've still got eggs and dairy and cheese and butter and those kinds of things that can be part of a vegetarian diet Um, they're also super high in saturated fat You know, the number one contributor to to saturated fat in America is cheese. Uh, And so um, any, of course, any movement away from a meat heavy meal is great. But if we just simply replace that meat with um, really dense and fatty dairy foods um, or um, saturated fat from things like um, coconut oil and full fat coconut milk and those kinds of things, we're not really promoting heart health. And then that second piece that you you mentioned, the exercise, right? It really is um, a combination of, of the two in order, you know, to maintain a healthy weight as well as a healthy, a healthy heart. You also picked up on sugar, right? Um, you know, naturally occurring sugar versus added sugar. And anytime we add sugar to things, whether it be, you know, uh, granulated sugar or honey or maple syrup or any of these kinds of things, as much as I love a maple syrup, we're adding calories without a ton of nutrition, um, especially if it's just, you know, white sugar um, that we're adding to things. And those calories count. You know, so it's it's easy to still have too many calories on board when we choose really calorically dense foods that still fall into a vegetarian um, pattern. Yes.
0: Okay. Thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll work on at
1: least yes. one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for joining us today. You have been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, and we have been talking all about heart health today, a very important uh, topic. It is Heart Month, which is why we have chosen to focus on it, but heart health is important every single day of the week. We've spent a lot of time talking about nutrition today, which I absolutely love, and thank you all so much for your emails that you send asking about plant-based diets and thanking us for covering that topic. Um, it is um, one of my the greatest passions that I have is moving people to a more plant-based diet, um, but we also need to talk about exercise. Our physical activity, that is an equally as important um, part of a heart-healthy diet. Um, You cannot out-exercise a bad diet, though, so you don't just um, exercise super intense to make up for a bad meal. Exercise is just kind of a celebration of what our body can do, and what your body can do may not look like what somebody else's body can do, and that's okay. You just start with what you can do. And so uh, we did have a comment on Facebook that talked about having to kind of completely rethink the way that they were doing exercise because they were just kind of hopping on the treadmill or elliptical and doing super hard, super fast um, workouts, just kind of pushing themselves to exhaustion and then having, you know, multiple days of, of not feeling great and having to, to recover. And so that's that's not what we need to do, right? It's not necessary to, to do that. Um, what's necessary is uh, just to get moving, right? Even if it's five to 10 minutes a day, just get moving. Um, the goal is for 150 minutes per week, which can be achieved in any way you wanna do that. It can be 30 minutes a day, five days a week, or it can be 15 minutes twice a day for five days of the week. However, you can get that in and you certainly don't have to, Hit it going straight out of the gates and get 150 minutes. All right, we have a caller that I quickly want to get to, Carol in Utica. Good morning, Carol.
4: Hi. How you doing today?
1: I am wonderful. How are you?
4: I'm doing just great. The reason I'm calling is is that um, I am a branch manager for the Jackson Hines Library System, and my okay. library here in Utica, Evelyn Telmaggio, we're running a heart healthy program where well, we have listed uh, quite a few exercises that are uh, warnings like uh, exercises that are good for your heart and exercises that may not be so good for your heart. And I just want to recommend our website. You can find it at jhlibrary.org Utica, and we have this wonderful uh, heart-healthy program that we have online that talks a lot about exercising and the various types of heart disease and how you can combat them.
1: Well, that is fantastic. One, thank you for putting together such a program. And two, thank you so much for calling and sharing that information. I love to hear about things that are going on in the community. Um, And so jhlibrary.org slash Utica.
4: Yes, and you'll find us there.
1: Fantastic. If you don't mind, I'll also check that out and post it over on my Facebook page for people to check out.
4: Well, thank you so much and have yourself a blessed day
1: you as well thank you for listening and calling all right guys in the last couple minutes let's kind of kind of wrap up what we've talked about today in terms of heart health we, of course want to move to a more plant-focused diet if we can eating more fruits and veggies and grains a little bit less on the animal protein but also um smoking cessation if we're smoking. And I did have a question about why that is so bad for our heart health. And it's from a variety of reasons, but it does cause damage to the blood vessels, um, which can make them uh, develop plaque more easily. It narrows those blood vessels a little bit as well. So that increases our blood pressure. Um, So those are just kind of two ways that it impacts heart health, but it is a strong predictor of of cardiovascular disease. And then lastly, but certainly not least, is that physical activity component. And so I mentioned that 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity activity. And how the heck do you know what moderate intensity is? Because everybody's is a little bit different. You can use something called the talk test. So light intensity activity is when you're maybe walking, and you can still carry on a full conversation that's light intensity moderate intensity is when you're you know doing whatever your exercise is and you can still talk, but you couldn't sing anything, right? So maybe there's a little bit of pause in between words, but you're, you're talking still pretty good. And then vigorous intensity is where you're, you're kind of out of breath in between words um, and you definitely couldn't sing anything. And so there's no need to get to that point um, for just basic heart health. You can stay in that moderate intensity range and still get great cardiovascular um benefits from that and then i would be remiss if i didn't also mention that we need to do some resistance training to help with our muscles as well as some flexibility training there as well Um, southern remedy fitness prescription has all three of those components we have the aerobic activity the resistance and the flexibility that can be found online completely for free Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.